podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On our channel, you can find podcasts, interviews, content on a whole host of subjects, including football, mental health, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, wrestling, serial killers, music, and much more. You will find today's guest writing on Fightful.com, also on some video content on their YouTube and their Fightful Select. I'm really excited to welcome a talented writer, Joining me today is Fightful writer Joe Holbert. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for joining me, mate. Thanks for having me, man. I was listening to all them, all them subjects cover. I was waiting for my work to come. I was thinking, no, not the murder or what. Right, uh, wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I thought I'd be yeah. called in to say it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just called you in now. Right. Yeah. What do you know about? No, it's uh, it's all good. We get we do lots of different podcasts on lots of different stuff. Yeah. Variety, mate. Variety. It's good stuff. Spice of life. Like, man. Uh, yeah, got to do it. Dad, I might I have to do that to someone actually. When I get like a big name on the podcast and they think they're coming on to talk about their career and then just go, and here's so and so talking about <laughs> writing or something, or who here's someone talking about rugby. Yeah. Sorry. That'll be good. It'll be good fun. I will spring that on someone one day. Uh so Joe, like we inevitably before we inevitably talk pro wrestling. And as I just said to you just before we started, we'll probably talk about Bray Wyatt. Because that's, you know, that's my jam. Uh, talk about a bit about what you do, what what's going on with you. So, like, uh, you, uh, you, 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 are you full-time with Fightful? Full, well, I mean, I'm exclusive to Fightful, not in the sense that they want me to be exclusive, just in that they're the only people that are crazy enough to allow me to write on their site. Um, I was doing uh, the, the lead MMA writer gig, but that was short-lived because I'm sure we'll get into that stuff. But, yeah, I'm basically just a feature writer. So... There's no like set schedule. I'll watch the shows. A topic will come up on a cover. I'll reach out to Sean. And I think, man, I joined Fightful in January 2017. And I think Sean has turned down a total of zero like feature ideas, you know? So I'll just, the thing is, is, is um, the process is not smooth all the time, but I'll see something and I'll know I can get feature there, you know? It's not about like, um, I mean, there's a, there, you can do a whole lot of content, like weekly content, right? Like you've, we all see it, like, you know, Raw Recap, and guys do that stuff amazingly well, but that's just not my thing. So for me, it's like watch the shows and pick out one thing. That's like this week, uh, watch Raw, watch Matt, and that's five hours, but the one story out of it I took was the Buddy Murphy story. That'll be the feature this week. Do you see what I'm saying? That's, yeah, that's really my gig. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I um, You did, did one on the Revival, I think, didn't you? And yeah. you did one on... Um... Yeah. Oh man, I've done up and down. It was one I read recently, and I forgot it's completely gone blank in my mind. But I read it, and it was I really enjoyed it. I've probably forgot it too, man. Don't worry. (laughs) This guy's gonna really bug me now, though, because it sounds like I didn't read it. But I, like, I had like read (laughs) it on Fight Club. Yeah, Um, but yeah, I really enjoy some of your stuff. Like some of it, I enjoy all the ones I've written, read. Um, Yeah, like Sean's, he's uh, quickly steered Fightful, you know, to being one of the fastest rising sites for wrestling, MMA. And, like, I always point people there. And, like, I've had, as you know, I've had, like, pretty much the whole gang of writers Mm. and podcasters on you because I just, I enjoy the site, I enjoy the writing. I must say, I, like, 
I mean, I've been on Fight for years, so I, I know and I, I admire what the guys do on the site beyond what I... I'm just the feature writer. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, he's humble. I'm just genuinely saying, like, I do one article a week, two articles a week. But when I took on the MMA gig, um, you know, I was in the, the... like kind of in the thick of it with the guys. So, yeah. you know, Jeremy, Andrew and Sean. And watching the amount of work that goes into actually covering a news round, like, they are the second to none. That team is was whoever is on that team the way that it's directed by sean it will always be that way you know there's a certain level yeah. of like respect dealt with the stories so that i think people don't appreciate that enough like and that goes for all the sites man but obviously fightful is the one that i i've seen firsthand but um yeah 100 it i think the job they've done and i say they because it is their like you know they're the guys that are on the ground doing the stories it's amazing man i think they're very much established now you know yeah, definitely. And like, to me, the the only site which comes like close to him is The Observer. And I do think like with Figure Four Online or The Observer, I think a lot of that is because of the length of time that they've been around. Yeah. As yeah. much as it is like quality of it's tough, that, I think right? They're good. Mm. But like to be, you know, to be at the basically the top of that kind of you there's know, times where I feel for I mean, I must say, like, there's times where, I mean, I don't, I'm not a observer subscriber, which isn't a reflection on them. I just don't intake a lot of that content, you know, like I'm kind yeah. of half on the outside. So it is kind of, I do feel for Dave when, like, you know, he's done that observer every week and it's long, it's arduous, oh, he's going through yeah. it. And then, like, 20 seconds of his podcast will turn up on my Twitter timeline. I'll listen to it and be like, oh, man, that's a bad take. But that's really, yeah. that's just him talking, right? Like, I'm going to yeah. do this for you. The amount of bad takes I'm going to have in an hour is like, and no one's going to clip my shit up. <laughs> so, That's you might, but you because, know what I mean? <laughs> no, but what he does is he, like, I think what sometimes creates issues for him is he you you can't always tell a difference between his opinion and him <laughs> saying, oh, someone's told me this. And yeah. I think that get him into a bit of trouble. Oh, Obviously, yeah. he said one or two things, like, mm. but, you know. Compared to what Jim Cornette's doing on Twitter these days, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dave's yeah. saying nothing really, is he? Yeah, like I don't want to give that too much airtime, but Jesus no. Christ, <laughs> he's um, Jim yeah. Cornette is going for it real bad at the moment. I don't know what he's doing. That dialogue's just increased, man. It's not. Uh, it's kind of toxic. It's not kind of toxic. It's very toxic. Yeah, yeah it's, like I think like a year ago he was like um, just like the grumpy old man of wrestling. Didn't like the modern stuff. But everyone yeah. was like, yeah, he just, you know, he likes his, he likes what he likes, and he's never yeah. been Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and that sort of thing. But like recently, it's just got really like personal and like singling out like yeah, that stuff. That's, that's just no good. And, the thing I think that's weird about it, and I mean, I'm sorry, I don't hear, but like, there's a weird thing that's come from that. Like a conclude, like Cornet has his ideology, and that's. Fine, mate. Look, Jim Cornette's forgotten more about wrestling than I'll ever know. Same for you. you know, like, it's just the way it is. All respect, like, the personal stuff, I'd leave that to the side because God knows what the motivation for that is. But it sparked this thing where, like, every fan feels like they need to have a clear philosophy on what good and bad is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you yeah, know, it's yeah. just, like, you have different groups of people. It's like, you have the guys that are like, oh, man, all them work great guys suck. Like, it's all about, and it's like, Okay, just take it easy, man. Like it's pro wrestling. You don't have to have an ideology too. None of us really care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's and that's that's what I don't get. Is like I love wrestling. I watch 
far too much of it every week. <laughs> I talk about it incessantly. I talk about it to my wife, who doesn't give a shit, doesn't want to know about it, but I still talk about it <laughs> yeah. to her because she's like in my daily, you know, routine. So if I've watched it, I'm like, oh yeah, this Got to talk to someone this about happened. it. Yeah. <laughs> My kids don't listen to me, so let's not talk to it. But, like, I don't get this thing, especially at the moment with, like, AEW and NXT and WWE. It's like, you've there's these people who are like, oh, everything WWE does is terrible, and AEW is, like, the saviour and the, this and that. And it's like, I don't get, like, this thing where you've got to hate this thing because yeah. you like this thing. And, I mean, and the, I the main reason is it's such a false... And I genuinely, and everyone says that everyone before they talk about this topic, they go like this. They go, I'm rooting for both to do well. That's what everyone says, right? That's yeah, the, that's the, but in truth, I genuinely do not care who victors in these mini battles and shit. But there are some like silly, like, so uh, Double or Nothing will happen, right? Double or Nothing, great show. Everyone loves it. And it's like, people are like, that's the best show of the year by far. And it's like, well, yeah, that's cool, but. Dobie's on every week. They can't just put a show on in man and be like, let's book our best card possible for Las Vegas. Like yeah. you're, you're comparing to, to just leave it and enjoy both. Or if you don't enjoy one, don't watch it. That's the real key, right? Just don't watch it. You know? I can't lie to you, man. There's times I don't but there's times I watch Dobie and I'm like I'm watching it the day after, right? We know the British the, the way yeah, it is. Yeah, wake it in the morning and, and watch it in the morning. After. You're you're skimming through them shame at man promos, man. And you're just like, I don't need to be watching this. <laughs> You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. So That's I just leave it sometimes. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, what gets to me is these people who, and they, these are the, one of the few people on Twitter which actually genuinely annoy me, whereas most other people I'm just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. And I'm just not bothered. It's the ones that say, uh, oh, Raw is this, 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 this bad. It's the worst stuff I've ever seen. Blah, blah, blah. It's terrible. It's terrible. And then it's like, oh, I don't watch it. It's like, yeah. So, yeah. what are you basing your opinion on? Like, I get because, like, I watch it, you know, every week. So I'm saying, six months ago, it was terrible. It was yeah. really bad. And like, yeah. I the run up to WrestleMania just gone. I didn't really enjoy. I thought it was one of the weakest of recent years. Mm. But in the last month, probably two months. It's got better. Yeah, but Smackdown's, been, Smackdown's been a lot better for like three months because when it first did the brand split, Smackdown was really good, really, really good. And then yes. it took a real like turn where they tried to... I often say, I think, I like. I mean, this is, this is kind of wild, but it's very hard to, when you look back at old eras of TV, like it's very hard to really understand, to rate them the same way you rate today's, right? Like... If we watched, you know, like a 98 episode with today's eyes, we would not like a lot of that show. So I often think that that first initial SmackDown Live, when it was like undermanned and everyone had to get featured, I think that's some of the best TV they have produced. Like everyone was kind of used to their foolish, you know, like they made like a, a Dolph Miz view was like blockbuster in SmackDown because they had the career yeah. stuff. And it was, I think they did a great job with that. And that was, I mean, you look back on that now and how big the roster is. It's changed totally. The landscape's way different now, you know. Oh yeah, and I mean, like that is that's the thing, now, isn't it? Is like suddenly everything's changed from like you know in two weeks' time or three weeks' time, whenever it is. There's, it's. I'd like to think it's going to be another boom period for wrestling, mm. and I think 
in terms of just within the industry it is because there's going to be so many places for people to work so many people for you know, yeah. media outlets to cover I don't know whether the the ratings are ever going to get up to the heights no. of where they were like in the attitude era but that's a lot of that is because of the way people intake their content now yeah definitely. whereas you know back then in the 90s early 2000s you watched it on tv and that was it there was no other way to watch it. or if you're in the uk you had a friend who had sky you videotaped it yeah. for you and then give it to him give it oh, to I you think, like, like a week. You, i think it's fascinating i mean there's times where i waste way too much time on it but like i'll look at the like the day after raw you know when people put together the youtube view lists for each segment yeah and i'll look through them and i'll be like okay so this finn Balor match did like 400k and then here's this Roman Reigns match that did like 3.5 million. And I'm always sitting there thinking, where are these people? Like, what is happening here? What's the disconnect? I know, obviously, I'm not saying that's an indictment on either talent. I'm just saying it's a strange thing that some talents Brock, obviously, is another one. Like, they're just, the video YouTube numbers, a whole other audience of people. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's weird, though, isn't it? Because, like, yeah. like, especially in America, like, you've got, like, the shortened version of, uh, like, Raw on Hulu, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Like you say, UK, I very, very rarely would watch like Raw or SmackDown live because mm. it's like I don't want to stay up all night, finish yeah. at like five o'clock in the morning. I was I was doing for Fightful at one point. I was doing live coverage for Raw, so I was on that. I was on that one till four, and when the, when the further you're like you're sitting there thinking this is a pretty good show, and then you look down at the time, it's like oh my god, I'm not even halfway through this thing. The adverts are rolling. Leo Rush is screaming Lashley. At you. It's hard. That's tough. That's a tough gig. <laughs> and when you're doing it live, you can't fast forward those adverts. No, no and man. That's the you've thing, got no game promos, like, man. Oh, Jesus. I can't. That's the... Yeah, I couldn't do it. I like. I could... I, I Pay-per-views, I can stay up and watch, generally, if I want. You know, if I really fancy it. But then, I, and often, I think, shall I stay up till, like, 5 o'clock in the morning and watch it? Or shall I get up, like I normally do, with my kids at, like, half six, seven? And then mm. just watch it then. I think, like, oh, to be honest, yeah, we're now diving deep into like the niche how Brits watch wrestling talk. But just quickly yeah. to conclude, now since I've stopped doing the, the live for the pay per view, I haven't watched either on on time. Like, I didn't watch SummerSlam live. And I enjoyed it so much more without being without scrolling from my Twitter being like, okay, what's everyone's opinion on this? Like it's just it's just yeah. not good, you know. So I just watch it. Turn your phone off, watch it morning after. Fast forward, you know, if you don't want to watch, like, I think it's better, but we sometimes just punish ourselves. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse than watching that pre show live. Oh, because man. it's just like repeating stuff you've already seen, talking about stuff you've already heard them talk about. Yeah. And it's like, I wish they would make the pre show like three matches and do your like little chat bit with on the desk and have that stuff but you don't mm. have the video packages which have already been yeah. shown a million times because you just feel sometimes i've watched that pre-show and they have one little match right at the end which they cut an advert over half of it <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah and i feel like i just really wasted, it, wasted the cruiserweights have filled so many pre-shows but you know what i mean obviously there's positives to it. i know the audience is is uh sometimes he's big and i'm not knocking it but you are right. Like when you've waited for that match and it cuts to an ad in the middle, that's tough. While they're grabbing a headlock, that's tough, you know? Yeah. Especially when you've just, like, you've literally watched 45 minutes of nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, for God's sake. 
But yeah, it's I think you know you can't knock them. They're making and you can knock them, but I mean from their point of view, they're making more money than they've ever made from TV and stuff. 100%. But like they there's there's sometimes it feels like they don't like their viewers. Yeah, no, I don't mean yeah. It just feels a bit like uh, they book against the fans rather than going with the momentum of the story or what makes sense. See, that's, like, that's an interesting, well, that's an interesting this topic, type. though, right? Because, like, if you, you spoke about the Mania build earlier. I didn't like it much either, but there was an interesting trend where the Becky and the Kofi storylines basically were like the authorities playing against your favourites, even when it, like didn't need to be that way. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it was almost like insider, yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're not going to give you what you want, but the story is we are going to. So they established themselves as the heels again. And I was watching it thinking, man, I feel like this Becky stuff could just be her and Ronda cutting promos. Like, I don't think it needs to be this sort of elaborate, but man wants this and Becky's got us. Like, sometimes I think because the audience is so... Um, I mean, they're pretty harsh at times, right? Like, if they don't like what they see, they're, they're, they're quick on it. I think sometimes they overthink and they're thinking, let's play the thing they want us to be. Let's play the awful authority that doesn't care. And that all came two months after they all stood as baby faces, the McMahon family, remember, and was like, you know, a new start. So when you do stuff like that, that's why you lose people's trust because they don't decipher the difference between real and TV at times, you know? It's hard. And that's way complex. That, that, yeah. At that point, they've well overthought themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think they definitely go. It's like it's obvious that they, they, you can see that they've overthought stuff because, like, the Becky and Ronda stuff was really weird. when they first kind of it was kind of a natural. That you knew promo. that they were going to yeah. clash. First, it was so hot and so like everyone was bang up for seeing it. Everyone wanted it to be the main event. There was no need to like overcomplicated with authority figures and going like making Becky kind of be like the underdog in this story mm. and have to come back. And I think they injured her. So she had to like oh, yeah. fight yeah. injured in the pay-per-view before. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Like I just wanted to see Rhonda and Becky go at it. Like oh, I totally agree with you. And see where it went. To me, the first promo to head to head, you just said, okay, okay, get me to the match. That's what you wanted. But I think this brings up an interesting thing that very few people actually talk about because it's just, it's basically unsolvable. So therefore, it's the dead end. But I sometimes watch Raw and I just think, I'm just not sure wrestling is supposed to be in a three hour format or even, I think two hours is tough. You have to be very on point because realistically, if you have, I mean, the traditional start of Raw, right? Or you look back at the original Raw and it's like one hour. And guys are missing three weeks of TV. They'll do they'll do one promo in three weeks of TV. In that format, Becky and Ronda stays hot forever because you haven't got to do any yeah. stuff in between. They're just doing one promo. You do a video package, whatever, whatever. In now, every week, you have to do a new episode almost of that particular story, right? And what happens is they look at the thing and they're like, okay, this is hot, but we're in February. We're two months away from WrestleMania. We need to have all of these different ups and downs and loops. and But as you say, really as a fan, none of us wanted any of that. But they, I guess that's how they felt they had to get through the TV. Time. I don't know. It's hard. But there's, there's ways they could have done. So if we use that story as an example yeah. with Ronda and Becky, like you could have had them brawling. You could have had 
like the horse women come out just for like not for a permanent thing but just like as a like a segment mm. you could have done you know numerous oh, yeah, there's, there's options for sure, and, yeah. there's without options in the crush stuff and all that yeah yeah 100% but yeah so let's let's move to the uh the wednesday night wars as it as it's uh, upon us in a couple of weeks indeed yeah you know it seems like it's going to be a special sort of time for wrestling, certainly for the next year or so, depending on how it all goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen some interesting takes this week from people around social media, podcasts and stuff yeah. about NXT getting this deal. Um, so you've got like the WWE fans who are like, oh, AEW, a bunch of marks, the rubbish rubber. They're just like bunch of indie guys and it's like they're like oh well nxt has always been on uh on a wednesday so they're not doing you know <laughs> they, they've just that naturally gone on to wednesday like live and it's like oh, yeah. you can't possibly believe that like yeah. yes I think they, they do. probably <laughs> but they you know they probably would have ended up going live yeah on a wednesday at some point yeah but if I can't understand how people can't see the correlation, but they are, you know, they're, they're, they are out there, those people. Um, So I'm of the opinion that if Vince stays away from it, Mm -hmm. it could be fantastic. And I actually think it's what NXT needs because NXT, I wouldn't say it's gone off the boil perhaps, but it's not quite as, the TV as well is not quite as good as it has been previously over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I think some of like there's guys like Punishment Martinez and Keith Lee, who are, you know, they're barely seen on TV mm-hmm. um, and they're, you know, non takeovers. And I feel like that extra hour could be good for guys like, you know, we can see there's a lot of talented guys on that NXT roster. And I think they've shown that they can book well and they can write good storylines and they can, do interesting stuff, which culminates culminates in really good matches at the takeovers or the pay-per-views or whatever it's going to be. However, I do feel a bit like if Vince gets involved in it, if the ratings aren't, you know, if they say in the first few weeks of AEW, they spank NXT in the ratings, you can just see Vince oh, and yeah. Kevin Dunn being down there like the next day. And I just feel like that could be the the beginning of the end because not just because of what it might do to the writing and the content and the, who gets pushed and who doesn't, but I just feel like the second people know, like fans know that he's having a big say. It changes the the perception. Yeah. Yeah. They won't care if it's good. It will be Vince is ruining NXT because it's not what was always, Whereas if he's not involved, then they'll give it a chance to see if it's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a very odd perspective on this because, and it isn't really an interesting one, it's just odd because from May 2017 to, I believe it was August uh, last year, 2018, I did the NXT report cards. That was a weekly show where I covered NXT. And I would watch it twice. I'd watch it once, write notes, and then watch it once just to see if I was on, like I had the same opinions. And man, like NXT is a very good show, but they have a certain playbook that once you've watched it enough with that level of attention, it almost like 
you lose sort of the uh, the affinity for it. And then I, I didn't love the way that they kind of like fumbled the Gargano Champa thing. Like it was like, I can't wait to see these guys fight. And the next thing you know, I'd seen them fight three times in the same match. I know there was other factors. I totally get that. Since I stopped covering NXT, I think I've watched maybe, you know, I've watched some of the takeovers, but the actual TV, I think I've watched maybe 10, 15 individual matches. And the TV, I have just no motivation to watch it. You know, like I have no, there's nothing I, I think to myself. And Velveteen Dream's fabulous and all them guys, honestly, they're great talents, but I'm not sure what it is, but at some point for me, and I don't think I'm alone in this because I don't see a lot of people talk about the TV, right? Like you just said, people think it's declined. I, I don't have that desire to watch it. So when you say they need to, they need this move, I totally agree with you. I think TV needs an injection of something new, and this is the challenge, right? Now you're, and the other thing, my other thing on this is, man, this really puts into perspective how tough the challenge all elite has ahead of them. In the sense that here's look, let's be honest. I mean, this is WWE's third brand, as far as talent. I mean, it's an amazing roster, and you look at their roster and you're like. Man, like, are you are you really taking all elite roster over that roster? Like, that's that's a stacked crew they got in NXT. That's their third. That's their third squad. Not third best guys. I mean, that's just like they got two other yeah. teams like that. <laughs> and it, to me, when I looked at it, I was like, I'm going to watch all elite wrestling because there's a mystery to it for me. Like, there's a how are they yeah. going to do TV? But in truth, I think NXT's quality might be actually above them. But I mean, that's a tough guess. But their roster is extraordinary. It really is great, the NXT roster, you know? Oh, yeah. And and and, and the problem, not a problem, but one of the things which could be problematic for AEW is obviously they've written, the, you know, they write their, their YouTube show every week and it has got longer and longer over the years. Um, but that's a whole different ball game to, like, doing skits yeah. for a couple of guys. And to be fair, though, you know, that, that YouTube show is predominantly the build for All yeah. In and stuff like that, which they did. And oh, it worked perfectly. The Road 2 stuff is is very effective, yeah. 100%. Carry on, Jacob. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I was going to say, and the Road 2 stuff, it's all really good, um, but it's very different oh, to, yeah, yeah. to writing a two-hour show where you've mm-hmm. got a get all these guys in, you've got to make sure that they're, not just that the story and the writing is good, you've got to make sure the matches are up to their, because they, you know, let's be honest, they're kind of marketed as well on the quality of their matches, all, you know, as a group, yeah. like the elite. So their matches on the TV have got to be, you know, up to a certain standard as well. They've got to keep everyone happy, which is, I think, going to be a new thing for them. Um because you know, if you've got like some big names who are who've signed with them, and then they're not on TV for a few weeks, or they're not in a big storyline, mm-hmm. then they've got that problem, which they've yeah. never you know had to deal with. And I know they've brought in you know experienced guys to deal with that sort of thing. Um, whereas NXT is already like a, I know it's not live, but they you know, yeah. everyone's in that machine of doing weekly TV. Um, and the other thing WWE can do, of course, at a drop of a hat, is they could just drop anyone they like in there. So it's they tough, feel like. <laughs> so what I, if I was them, what I would do is I would over the next two weeks before they go live, I think it's two or maybe three, um, over the next few weeks before they go live, is I would ramp up Matt Riddle, Slate and Goldberg, 
like really, yeah. really ramp it up. And on the first live show, I'd have him cut a promo on him. And then on the second live show, I'd have him cut a, another promo on him, really like like slating him. And then the first night that they go head-to-head with All Elite Wrestling, <laughs> I'd have Goldberg turn up and attack Matt Riddle, like from the crowd or something like that. Yeah. Announce that he's going to be there as like a special guest of William Regal, or, you know, just some shit like yeah. that. And then have a massive brawl to end the show for their first head-to-head show. The issue, um, I mean, that is literally like that's feasible. I like, can do that. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. the, the point I was making is that they, they can, can do anything. Yeah, they can pretty much drop anyone in there. Yeah, that's if tough. They want it. That's, that's tough, a big man. ask. Like when you look at some of the names which are either affiliated or under their con- contract, you know, they could drop Daniel Bryan in there for a program with Adam Cole, you know, for a month. It's mm. scary yeah. the talent they've got. I, I, I always hope. point to it. I, I always say, I said to you earlier that you were my face this week, but I always speak. Like, never forget that WWE had Buddy Murphy under contract for like 14 months without appearing on TV. Neville bounced, and they were just like, well, I guess we'll just use Buddy Murphy now. I mean, like, he's yeah. extraordinary, dude. He, just, he was just chilling. They didn't have anything for him. That, that group of talent, I mean, I don't know how many people have contracted now. It's in the hundreds, like, by a distance, I'd imagine, but... Um, you're right. They can pull from any which direction. They can get a guy like Daniel Bryan who appeals to all the Elite's fan base, or they can do a Goldberg thing which appeals to a whole other. Like it's tough to fight all that, you know. Here's another one I thought of: what they could do if their ratings are not, even if they're good, but they're not as good as they want. Is you drop, you put Bala, uh, Finn Balor with AJ Styles and mm-hmm. uh, Gallows and Anderson on Raw as a group, which I think they're going to do anyway, and then. You have them cut a promo on Raw and saying, Undisputed Era, we're coming for you. And you yeah. drop in the club versus Undisputed Era on a Wednesday night. Well, it's interesting you say it because I, I don't think the Undisputed Era is going up anymore because it isn't up, is it? No, I, th- I, think, I think they're in NXT for life now. And to be honest, I think that's for the best because I think that's where Adam Cole is just perfect and he can be world champion with ease. But... Considering that, I think you're guaranteed some form of cross promotion there. Like, I just think that's too much. That's just money, right? Like sending the yeah. club over on a Wednesday night while all the leagues try to do everything. That's that's harsh. <laughs> that's win, you know. That's what you do, isn't it? And like, you can have like the thing with Adam Cole is, is obviously his size. Like Vince is going to take one look at him, but when he's called up to Raw or SmackDown, and he's going to like meet him backstage, and Vince is going to be bigger than him, and he's that's it in his head. He's gonna be like, and it doesn't matter how well he can talk and how well he can work. Whereas if Vince isn't there, Triple H knows his qualities. He knows how good he is on that mic, and he would yeah. push him. So it's kind of like, yeah, in this mean, position if, where if NXT well, is now. Go carry on. Just I was just say a lot of these guys. It's almost like they're waiting for Vince to leave to either retire or go to a XFL or whatever he's gonna. You know. You know because then suddenly you could have Adam Cole, Gargano, Champa go up on a main roster and your main roster would be fire. It's interesting. It's like- it's in, I mean, I think this is why all elites, oh, sorry, NXT being on Wednesdays live is such a game changer. Because if the reports are true that they're going to now make these main roster contracts, it effectively means that you've built a brand that's designed for every wrestler that would look at WWE and say, man, I don't know if they'd, they'd use me right up there. Well, guess what? Now we have this brand that's made for you, and you're going to get paid yeah. the same. You're on live TV. 
all elite before could say to a talent like, oh, you're thinking about NXT, but we got TNT, we're on TV. You're just going to be hidden on the network. Not anymore, man. Like they're now right there. So it's I think that element of it. Saying that, I don't know who even is a free agent out there, and everyone's signed, but you know what I'm saying. Like, that is a game changer, really, because it means that a guy like Undisputed Era can be content with being on XT forever. Because if they're getting paid the main roster wide, and it's just a different thing, you know. Yeah, well, I think it was it's quite relatively common knowledge, isn't it? That that, that a lot of people, the main reason they wanted to leave NXT to go to the main roster was purely from a financial yeah. point of view. Yeah, you know, like. Oscar and people like that were happy and you know even Finn Balor they were happy in NXT from a you know enjoying their work and mm-hmm. all that type of thing but they wanted that big you know the big money especially for people like you know Finn Balor and Seth Rollins and you know the ones who get like the big money it's a big difference from that yeah. NXT I also concept. think I think as great as the takeover events are and they are like spectacular but I do think there's a lure to of WrestleMania, like when you if you're in an NXT yeah, guy and you watch, when you on that Saturday you have the best show of the weekend, but then you look out at Sunday and you see the entrances and I mean it is a fact like it is an incredible stage and show, and I think stuff like that probably. But then again, I mean, an NXT Taker event is still it feels as grand as anything All Elite's probably going to produce most likely, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like really, when NXT is at its best, like man, that takeover they did with the the first Champa Gargano match, like where yeah, yeah. Champa walked out to no music, like that was that felt big time. Regardless, and that yeah. uh, Velveteen Dreams entrance as well. Yeah, the yeah. same show, but like and yeah, I, I I take what you say there actually because like even with SummerSlam just gone, you like the NXT show was very good. I don't think it was as good as some of their previous shows. Yeah, it was really good. It was really enjoyable. The matches were great, fantastic. From a ring work point of view, it was probably better than SummerSlam. But if I'm those guys, from like a personal point of view, if I was one of those guys and I'm watching the Fiend's entrance at SummerSlam, I'm like, I want to be there. I want to be working against him. Mm-hmm. I want to be on that stage because it was like just his, just his like uh, entrance was like an event, and it yeah. was so like. You saw, like, uh, the, did you see the guys on the watch along? Yeah, so I've seen the pictures. Like, Johnny Gargano. Right? Yeah. Like, but they were, like, all genuinely yeah. glued to the, to, the, to the TV just for the entrance. Um, and yeah, like and the other thing is... All game, isn't it? That's exactly that phrase, Elliot, because yesterday I was with my friend who doesn't like... He doesn't watch wrestling at all now, but like, he just knows... He knows the people and the thing. And he just says to me, he goes, what's this fiend stuff? He'd just seen a YouTube video where someone com- put a compilation of all his stuff. And I was thinking about it afterwards. And I was just thinking, that's a very WWE thing, that, right? Like, they can capture, because it's WWE and they have that brand and the YouTube and the whole thing, they can capture someone who's just a casual fan and they'll just click on a video. And if you look at all Elite's YouTube numbers, they are very good, but it, I don't think they're getting that fan because it's at the end of the day, it's not WWE and that's going to be a long period you're gonna to have to do a lot of work to scratch that perception away. You know, it's, a lot's happened since the Monday Night Wars. They've established yeah. themselves. They've got new generations of fans. So that I think is the biggest challenge that those of us in the bubble, and we are firmly in the bubble. We sometimes kind of we kind of you know brush off. It's a big thing that perception of that's wrestling to most people, even though they don't consider themselves wrestling, which is a whole other ironic yeah. you know swing of it. But yeah, yeah. But then, I, well, speaking from someone who's got 
YouTube channel. It's very small. I hit 500 subscribers today. So it's like it's really small. Yeah. I can attest to how difficult it is to get your shows and your videos in places where people who are not already subscribed to you. Yeah, we're just stumbling upon them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Really, really hard unless you want to spend a shitload of money. Mm. And even then, I think it's really hard because I, yeah. I'm convinced that the adverts with Google or Facebook and stuff, I'm not sure they work properly to the extent where, mm. like, if I was going to buy an ad, for instance, I'd want my podcast showing up after, like, Fightful Podcast as a recommended thing or, like, a yeah. Joe Rogan podcast, just, like, other podcasts talking about similar stuff to try and get people in, mm-hmm. whereas that's very, very difficult to do. Yeah. So, like, obviously, with All Elite, they had the, their their own YouTube channel, which has got 100,000 subscribers or, you know, big numbers. But then they started, obviously, the new, like, the, the AEW channel and the All, uh, I forget what the third one's called, but the one that does the... The, like the Cody yeah, like, yeah. and stuff like that. So they've all started from scratch, and I'm sure they've got thousands of subscribers. But even then, like 10,000 subscribers or 100,000 subscribers doesn't get you up that list to, mm-hmm. to, to the likes of WWE and those brands who've got stupid amounts of subscribers, like exactly. five, six, seven, eight million you just it's very hard to break those numbers you know and there's millions and millions of youtube channels and there's a hell of a lot of people who've got five hundred thousand subscribers i'm i was amazed at how many youtubers have got like over three million subscribers the amount of times there'll be a video on my trending and I'll, I'll click on that video and be like, I have no clue what I'm clicking on, right? But I'm just, it's just yeah. trending. It'll have some call. I'll click on it. It'll be subscribers, 3 million, 4 million. It's like, it's amazing how that's a whole other world. That's 4 million people. And I couldn't be less aware of this person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's an odd thing. But there's guys with like 20 million that I don't know. Like really, I couldn't put them out. But that just shows you kind of the power of the internet and what we were saying about wrestling earlier. Like, where are these four million people that are only watching the Roman Reigns matches, right? Like, where, are, where is that the Lax fan? I haven't got a clue. I have no, like, analytical. But that makes All Elite interesting to me because, well, look, none of us are questioning. The All Elite roster is very talented. No doubts about it, man. That's a very talented roster. But are there enough faces on there that the channel flicking viewer will stop? And if not, can they create an energy and an atmosphere that's so vibrant that when you just stop on their show, you're like, oh, man, what's this? Because if neither of them are achieved, it's like, I don't know where the viewership is, right? Like, Moxley's a huge get, man. But Moxley and yeah. Jericho is really, as far as, I mean, Cody, I guess, captured even more buzz after leaving, and he was in WWE for them years. But other than that, it's slim, right? As far as star power, real star power that general fans know. That people will know, yeah. Like, Cody, obviously, he was on Arrow and stuff like that. So I think, like, Cody, Jericho, and... Moxley is huge. Yeah. Because if people see Moxley, they're like, oh, that's Dean Ambrose. Yes, exactly. They, that's they will watch it. As, um, this is no, look, Chris Jericho is legitimately one of the best ever. And he, I'm a huge Chris Jericho. But there is a truth to the idea that when you look at Chris now, he looks like an old version of himself because he is, in fact, an old version. So it's not a knock. He's yeah. amazing. 
Whereas the beauty of Moxley is he's just Dean Ambrose that you saw on Raw earlier this year, but with a whole other like you know passion for what he's doing. Whereas with Jericho, I think the cynic would look at it and be like, oh man, what's Chris? Chris is doing this other wrestling there. You know, it's different feel yeah. to what Moxley is it- doing. And if it's someone who's not following, in not in the wrestling bubble, exactly, yeah. they, they're going to look at Jericho and perhaps and be like a bit like, uh, he's, you know, he's winding yeah. down his career. Exactly. WWE doesn't want him anymore. Exactly. Because they're not in the bubble and they don't see the shots he's firing on social media and they don't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right, yeah. And I think that's their biggest problem. Not their biggest problem. That's going to be their biggest challenge is to bring in people completely outside of the bubble because yeah. I'd, I, I, if I was guessing out of the sort of wrestling bubble, I kind of think like 75% are probably going to watch all elite wrestling, at least at the start to, to I would say see so, yeah. what it's like. And yeah. I would say a high percentage of them are wrestling fans who probably like the elite or at least like wrestling a lot. So they'll watch it because it's live and they know it's going to be, pretty good and they know it's going against nxt so they're going to check it out Mm. um whereas like you say wwe can push nxt on fox they can push nxt on usa on raw there was an interesting development on the from the uh the vegas show double or nothing if when when i watched it it was saying i didn't grasp because i'm not really in that like you know the elite world i don't really watch the youtube shows and stuff but the audience didn't react to like the independent favorites that they've signed up as much as I thought they would. No, so what I mean is you could tell obviously, Oh man, they love Cody. They love the Bucks, Kenny. They know all that. But like there's this middle fan, right? There's a fan who watches everything. There's a WWE only fan. And then there's this middle fan who just is intrigued by the all elite thing only like the elite guys only. So yeah. maybe that, maybe that exists. And maybe there's a perception that, man, this is the cool new wrestling that's going to change things. How big that perception is, I guess we'll find out when it starts on TNT. But I do think there is some, like a group of fans who literally just, they, they've not even seen many Bucks matches. They just know Cody has this group of guys and they're fighting uphill. And maybe that will be enough to actually transfer and transform into numbers. We'll find out, I guess. I don't know. Well, even, even me, like I don't watch as much New Japan now as I still got the New New Japan World and stuff, mm. I don't watch that as much. Like last year when they were all there, I watched every match in the G1 and I watched all of, like I would make sure I seen Kenny Omega's feuds because they were awesome and this and that. And I haven't been... So like, I'm the opposite. I watched <laughs> a lot of the G1. Yeah. But I have like faded out of it a bit compared to last year. And I, I wouldn't think, even yeah, consider myself true. like... You know, I'm all for all elite as a group. Like I, you know, I really a massive fan. I, I am a fan of them. I enjoy their work. I really I, like. I don't think you're bit. alone. I think I've, from what I can it's tell, serious. I mean, I might be totally wrong about this, uh, but it does feel like less people talk about the New Japan shows generally now than a year ago. I think personally. I mean, I enjoy the show. I mean, last year I watched less than I have this year, but that's just not on the elite. That's just me kind of. Sometimes yeah. New Japan, man, I just think like. That product is so good, and every time I watch it, I legitimately sit there and think, I should really not be missing these shows. Like, 
I never ever say an Asalaya. The Jericho uh, Okada finish left me a little bit like flat. But generally speaking, man, when them shows go off the air and Okada, Tanash, whoever it is, is cutting a promo in the middle of the ring, I finish it and think that was a good investment of my time. But then yeah. for some reason, man, wrestling Don's hacky up roll around, and I'll be like, ah, oh, I'll catch it then. Like it's weird, right? Yeah. Like I don't know why that is. Yeah, it's a strange one. I think. Do you think they end up working with All Elite eventually? You know what? I, this is um, this is wild talk, but I legitimately am at a point with wrestling where it's so crazy that I think you should expect insanity. I, I would not be surprised if you see them work with NXT. That's not a scoop. I'm no Sean Rossap. But genuinely, with the way wrestling is trending, I mean, dude, Vince has employed Bischoff and Heyman to run his TVs. Oh, it's it's crazy. Man. That's crazier than the idea of NXT using the odd New Japan guy and sending someone oh. for G1. <laughs> Talking about crazy, I read earlier on Fightful.com that um, CM Punk's agent had contacted Fox about working in um, like they're doing like a studio show on yeah. Fox for WWE, and his agent apparently has reached out to Fox to work for Fox rather than WWE, but he'll be like a studio panelist and stuff. And I was like, Jesus Christ, the world is. <laughs> Wrestling world's just gone freaking crazy now. It's crazy, man. What I I legitimately don't. Can know. you imagine him though in a studio like reviewing WWE's? Well, like, is it gonna be? Is it gonna be like reviewing it like uh like the fight for guys and uh, or is it gonna be reviewing it like they just watched a sporting contest take place? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> are they gonna be watching matches and being like, man, Charlotte should have gone for the cover? Or are they gonna be saying that was a bad match? Like, I have no, I legitimately have no clue. Weird, do that. Very weird. Because I think if you go too hard on the sports stuff, I think there's gonna be general sports fans that are like, oh man, this is lame. You know, like I don't know if you should do that. Yeah. Yeah, because if they try, you can like, like if they tried to do it, like you know, like football on a Sunday where you got like the panelists sat yeah. there. Give us soonest. Raw goes off the air, and you've got like freaking CM Punk and I know John Cena as these guests with Rene presenting it, and they'd start trying to like discuss it as like as if it's real. Yeah, that people are going to go off that. It could be car crash viewing, and it could be really entertaining, especially if CM Punk's doing it. That could be hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, like that cringeworthy, like he'll be saying like stuff which they really really don't want him to say and it's just like could be quite interesting from that point Strange, of view right? i don't know how they're gonna how actually gonna do it how do they find the balance between like what's like a real and shoot yeah. sort of thing panelist point of view it could be weird like it's weird and it could be interesting oh, I, think- I think that's interesting the fox thing in general because i remember all of us like Wrestling fans have known about this deal for ages now, and I remember everyone being like, man, by the time October 2019 rolls around, they're going to have everything ducks in a row, they're going to have big shit coming, and it's like, well, we're a month away, man, and there's no brand split, it's chaos, I don't know who's going to be on every show, so good luck to them figuring out, maybe it's just going to be this way. I mean, to be fair, we both agreed the show's been good, so wildcard or not, and all that silliness, the shows are actually like, I think they've been quite good recently. But it doesn't feel organised, or does it really? I wouldn't say. Should be good? So when does... What's the gap between NXT's first show live and Fox's, the first Smackdown on Fox? It's two it's weeks, like I think. Month, isn't it? Is it? I think it's shorter, yeah, I think it's shorter, yeah. So what I would like to see, they won't do it, 
but is I would like to see them do this massive, huge fucking um, draft. Yeah. And just make all the shows individual, but like completely mix it up. I would love it on the network. Did they did an actual draft, like a full on, like, you know, that would be yeah. one for the guys like us that actually care about it. It would be great. But yeah, I totally agree with you 100%. Yeah. Because I want Raw and SmackDown to be completely separate. So and then if you chucked in, if you chucked in some big names from NXT, um, and you put down some equally sort of names of about equal standard, you know, you don't want to be taking away like a Matt Riddle and replacing him with like a Fandango or something. You know, you need to make sure you're replacing them appropriately. But I feel like if they gave all the shows like a massive shakeup and then said, right, they're completely separate now. That could be quite interesting because yeah, you could no, have, I agree. like really and what I want to see is I want to see like different matches and different rosters. I don't want to see like just the same top guys or they yeah. need something new. The they just go is, across. Is, and I can't believe I'm actually saying it, but it's the truth. Is it doesn't seem that when they do the shake ups they actually do any sort of planning or <laughs> <laughs> like, how many times? There was last year, 2000, I think it was 18, I want to say. There was one year where they put, like, every tag team was on SmackDown. There was, like, eight good tag teams on SmackDown, but they had maybe two good good females. And then Raw had no tag team. And then they did the switch. Like, this year, there was... So I was going to do an article fight for about, um, about the shake-up. And it was going to be like, you know, who went where? What does this mean? But unfortunately, the shake-up this year was like two months long, so I didn't end up doing it. It was it was a non a non-starter. But there's this sentence in there that I that I put in there. And I, I recently read it back, and it was hilarious to me. Was, it said, "Raw has a major match in each area. It has AJ and Seth, which they did in a month. They they done done that in one month because it had already had no pay per view. It was Becky and Alexa who recently wrestled on Raw, just because." And it was a uh, revival on Usos who ended up having like one of the most like odd feuds on, <laughs> on TV. And I was like, that kind of shows you, right? Like they didn't draft them and think what I thought and was like, okay, this saved their matches. No, man, they just stumbled onto shit. Like if it gets there, it gets there. If not, who cares? That's literally what I hate to say it. I know it sounds like we're doing like the cliche critique thing, but it's hard to pretend they are planning things when stuff like that happens, you know? Yeah, well, they fell, they fell into like the um, like Daniel Bryan stuff. They fell into the like Roman Reigns, and they fall they fall into pretty much everything <laughs> they do because they have no long term planning whatsoever. Yeah. And that's what um, like I spoke well, I've spoken to her, like Andrew about it a lot in the couple of shows I've done with him. Just like if they just did a little bit of like long term planning it would make their shows a lot more compelling because you do feel like they burn through matches, which you really would like to see yeah. on a pay-per-view, whether it's like the Revival versus the Usos. They'll like chuck it on TV three weeks in a row. And then he's always done then. Yeah, but this is what's interesting is, right? Like, I mean, if you listen to the traditional Vincent Mann style, it was like... Once upon a time, man, he knew next year's mania like top three, and he would like yeah figure. And the reason for that, that is the, the reason the reason that's so traditional in the way you do wrestling is because you need to know where someone's going in order to know how to handle them now, right? Like perfect example being if they knew in April that Natalia was going to wrestle Becky at SummerSlam, maybe 
big idea here, but maybe they just have Natalia win a couple matches, just a couple on yeah. Raw. Rather than, I think the exact stat was she hadn't won since March on TV, and then she um, she won the Fatal 4-Way match, and it's like, okay, now we've got to care. Now we're supposed to care. They just ask us. Like, things like that. Just know where you're going and at least prepare us. I'm a big Ember Moon fan. I should feel the momentum building as she headed into the biggest match of her career. Instead, I just didn't watch SmackDown one week, and I'm being told she's in the SmackDown title match, you know? And then they, like after, that, they man, after they announced that she was in it, they then had to lose two matches <laughs> in the in the two weeks before yes, the yes, which I thought was they went, boy, but it was not. She just lost. <laughs> but it wasn't like it, she lost like a big match to like the cha- the champion. No, it was just like she lost a random tag team match, and I think she lost to Charlotte or something. And it's like Jesus Christ, like you have got all this talent, and they don't take care exactly, exactly. And it reminds me, you you said earlier you said. You know, a few people actually annoy you on Twitter. And I would say my group is the people that, that this this sort of involves because this is going to happen and Ember's probably going to be kind of, you know, you won't see her as much in the coming months because it's going to be Charlotte and Becky. And that's fine, man. It's like they've got a lot of people to fit in. But someone will say Ember deserves better. And you'll have a group of people say she got the SummerSlam match, didn't get over. And it's like, man, that's, that's, that's unfair because she didn't get a real opportunity to get over. She got an opportunity to have matches. You know, realistically, she's the sort of talent, whoever it is, it's not even, I like Ember, but you can choose whoever you want. Mandy, whoever, you know, Sonia. Choose someone and just focus on them a little bit. We spoke earlier about how great the original SmackDown brand split was. The reason for that was they had no options. So basically what I mean is, it's like, well, Becky's our baby face. We need heels. We're going to have to give Carmella and Alexa time on the microphone. And thank goodness, both of them, to, you know, to different levels, obviously, but they made the most of that, right? When can you point out when Liv Morgan or Mandy have got that same opportunity? I'm not saying they'd be good at it, God forbid, but my point is, in a, if Alexa came up a year later, she's just another woman in a faction. <laughs> Luckily, she came yeah. up when there was six girls in a division, and they were like, okay, we need to just give them a chance. Talent is often, if you look at when the biggest stars and stuff and when guys broke through... <laughs> It comes from necessity, man. It comes from the from the powers that be saying we need to make something for this person, and then they explode. But if you've just got an endless cycle of guys like Andrade, Andrade is amazing. He's been up now for what sixteen months, maybe. He's in the same exact position he was in sixteen months ago. He's had some good matches with Ray, but he's not actually really better off, is he? He's the same spot because no. well, we don't we don't have to build him up because eventually maybe we can chuck him into a pay per match, but. There's no urgency of like, okay, just focusing on this one guy. That feels lost to me. I think Ricochet, they've done a pretty good job with actually, though, since WrestleMania, to be fair. Yeah, they've tried, tried yeah. to protect him a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's all you ask is that they just, if you've got guys like Ricochet or, you know, whoever. Ali. Ember Moon. Yeah. Ali. Um, Andrade, just give him a bit of protection until you've got something. Keep mm-hmm. him ticking over with wins until you're ready to have Andrade feud with Ray. So when he feuds with Ray, you think, oh, he's a real threat and he could, you know. Yeah, well, this is the interesting thing about something. And this is something I, I touched on. Is the So obviously the last two weeks, Murphy's wrestled Roman and Brian. And the, the irony of it is everyone spent four months saying, just let Buddy wrestle. But in truth, 
it actually helped him that he wasn't getting beat on TV because that four months we were like people might have forgot about him. They didn't see him get beat. So by the time he started against Roman, it was like you can book him however you want now, right? Like he's still new. Is that good booking? Not at all. You shouldn't have guys sitting on the bench for four months when they're that good. But somehow it helped them that they didn't just go, we have nothing for him, so let's just have him lose to Ali. Do you see what I'm saying? In that one case, having no ideas was better than having a bad one. <laughs> In that one case, it was. Yeah. But, and I think, do you know what? I think he's going to be the one. I do, I'm, I'm kind of hoping he's the one that's going to be behind all the Roman stuff. Because mm. I feel like, I, I, well, maybe I'm giving them too much credit because I feel like that's the only reason that they would have had him beaten, beat Daniel Bryan on SmackDown last week clean. Yeah. Because if it's not him, it seems like they're building towards Roman versus Daniel Bryan. But Daniel Bryan just lost to Buddy. So yeah. it's like... Yeah, I know you mean. I, I mean, it's as, a fan, as a fan, yeah. I would like yeah. Harper to be involved because I just... The notion that we're not going to like Harper's just going to sit while his contract ticks away is kind of sad to me. Like someone enjoys him, but I I totally agree with you. That's not a possibility. Like I still think it's just going to be Daniel Bryan, and it's like you know he's just coming up with all these different reasons it's not him. But um, I get what you mean. It feels kind of odd the idea that they're just going to like Buddy's getting pushed, but he's actually got nothing to do with the actual end, the climax of the storyline. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. It's weird. Strange booking, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we're just coming up to the hour, Mark. You're all right for a couple more minutes? Yeah, I'm fine, man. So what do you, what do you make of the Firefly Funhouse and the, the Fiend? Well, the first time um, it came on, Sky Sports wasn't showing it because I don't think they recognised it as Raw. So I was on social media waiting for Raw to come back because I was doing the live coverage, right? And I'm, like, scrolling through and everyone's like, what is happening? What is... I'm like, oh, no, what are they doing? And I saw the screenshot of Bray and I was just thinking, man, what is this? But I think most of us, when we first watched it, while we thought it was super odd, especially, like, the way it was presented, it, within that product, it was so strange. It was so off the wall. But I think we all knew that there was going to be, like, an, a nice edge to this, right? Like, once you delved in deeper. And, um, I mean... I think they actually handled it very, very well. I must say, I was kind of stunned at how like patient they were with it. And you knew it worked when the first time he showed up, that 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 sort of um, gasp is the only evidence. Look, I could sit here and say it was bad. You could say it was great. I could say it was great, vice versa. But the actual critical opinion for that segment and that, that angle was when he turned up and the lights went down on Finn, the crowd gasped in sort of, oh, my God, he's coming. That's all you need to know about as far as how well it was done, really, right? Like, we all have our own opinions, and I think it was great. Some people probably didn't like it, I guess, initially. But um, that was proof that there is still a, 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 a sort of effect to vignettes rather than the traditional guy comes out and wins a squash match, right? Like that, the vignettes and the stories they told with them vignettes, that's, it could transform Bray's career long-term. Hopefully it does, because otherwise they've probably messed it up if it doesn't really, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the first episode of Firefly Funhouse, I actually tweeted. I watched it the next morning. I was really tired. I hadn't slept, like, at all. I'd had, like, an hour's sleep. I was not in a good mood. I was in pain. And I tweeted Sean Rossap, and I was like, what the fuck have they done to Bray? <laughs> and then I actually watched it back. I think I tweeted him back a bit later on and said, oh, yeah, I watched it a second time. 
and I kind of got it then. Yeah. But when I was like, tired, I had watched it, and I was like, they've made him a children's TV presenter. It took a minute, right? It was like, oh, no, yeah. what have they done? But, like, you know, once I kind of watched it back, and then the next one, and what they did is because they filmed them all together and then released them, like... Exactly. They, they were able to actually tell actually a real had, but story. Then, but they had a plan. Because yes. They, they released them. They didn't necessarily release them every week because they wanted it to build up to SummerSlam. So they, they filmed them all. They planned it. Then when they didn't have a show, like what a cl- uh, an episode of Firefly Funhouse, he would then turn up or he would cut a promo separate from the mm-hmm. from the Firefly Funhouse sort of free tapes. But they planned it. So then by the time you get to the... The bit where he's like turning up and attacking people, people are all on board because they know it's coming, but they're waiting patiently. And is he going to come this week? No. And they built it perfectly. And what I liked is they didn't put him on Raw the night after SummerSlam as well. I thought that mm-hmm. was really clever because they yeah. should make it so you literally don't know if when he's going to be there. But equally. Don't go too far the other way where people get annoyed that he's not turning up as well mm. because people want to, you know, like it or not. I, I think people want um, to see it now. Oh, 100%. It's, I mean, that's the problem with it. It's, gonna, it's a babyface character now. <laughs> Whether they like it or not, it's going to be. But that's just the way it is now. But it's interesting is that there's a lot of people out there that firmly believe at its core, WWE is best when it's producing characters like The Fiend. And it's lot. Sometimes I think they, you know, that what you just described there—the notion of planning and putting them out and letting the audience kind of wait—that's like traditional late '80s WWF, right? Like that's the that is the stuff they once were great at. And if you really think about it, it reminds me of like when the the guys used to talk about how like they'd be coming into WWF and they'd do vignettes, but they'd be doing the house shows, and with each week more people would have seen the vignettes on their local WWF TV, and it's like. It's that. Like, it's, it's not complicated, but obviously, look, don't get me wrong, you're not going to do... This is a one-off. You can't constantly do characters of this calibre and no. this degree. But it is proof that there is something to be said for that approach, right? Like, that old school, this, this introduced them as a character first. The wrestling will get to that. That's fine. But let's let these people understand this is a character that they're interested in, they want to know more about, and then when he shows up, obviously, you saw the reaction. It's like, as you said, anticipation. When is he going to be here? It, that matters a lot, you know. Yeah, and they got the like the entrance, like spot on. Oh yeah. And I that first, uh, the first time I what like was watching the entrance when they did the close up of the lantern, I I literally I was like what the, f-? and I like <laughs> audibly was like quite shocked by it. Yeah. Because it was so different to what they would normally do, it fitted in with the character, but it was you know it was quite shocking like. Yeah. See, like his head and his eyes. So yeah, and the way stuff. they shot it was great as well, yeah. right? Yeah, and they do that stuff well when they, you know, and they've got their shit together. Yeah. The, um, the other thing I liked is that he changed his moveset and the way he moved in the ring and the moves that he used. I thought, actually, you know when he, um, in the match, he, like, snapped his neck? Yeah. I ended the match then with that. Yeah. Because I think that would have been, like, the ultimate kind of shock value because when he did that if you watch it back the crowd kind of does audibly like it's yeah. really shocked 
You're like, yeah. whoa, didn't expect that. And yeah, well, it's the ultimate, like, it's the ultimate like non wrestler thing, right? Like, there was another thing he did as well where, like, he so he had he came out and he had the jacket on and he took the jacket on like, off like 30 seconds in the match. But when the match started, Finn was ready to wrestle Bray and he still had the, the full jacket and the and it was like it was a wonderful kind of little thing of like. He's not playing by the normal rest rules. And if you'd have finished the match with that, that's the same thing, right? It's like, this is a yeah. different character altogether. He's not going to be going... It would have been a totally different thing if he'd have took all his stuff off and had a 10-minute match with Finn where they, like, you know, put a headlock on. So that's different. It was very much not that. And hopefully they keep that way because there's no need for it to be... Man, there's so many good wrestlers on that roster that can have great matches, you know? Like, let Bray be... And Bray is a very good wrestler, in truth, but let him be the character because that's different. He can do that. Other guys can't. He hasn't. They haven't got that luxury, you know. Yeah. Don't make him do twenty-minute matches. No need. Yeah, and and then and like he's a unique personality that they've got in that he can play that character and he can play the cult leader in a way that other people can't play their characters. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. And like even if you watch like those Halloween stories and like little clips of him which they did, where they did, like, one where a news reporter went to the Wyatt compound or something, like, when they... I think that was just before they came up to the main roster. But, like, for him, you can tell, in his head, he knows, like, where his character's from, why he's like he is. Exactly. You know, what's, yeah. what's happened to him? Why has he got Sister Abigail? Why is he, like... Why... Just, he's he's got reasons he behind everything. Yeah, and I feel like that's the lost art of people. Yeah, hundred characters generally, they don't think about like they just see it as an extension of themselves, and that's it. Rather yeah, than thinking, yeah. I don't know, um, I'm Finn Balor. That's my character, right? Why is he like the way he is? Why does he but want to do said, this? That that, state, that phrase you just said, extensions of that, can be a crutch in the same. Like that's why Bray's great is because he isn't trying to do it, like. It's great when Austin and Rock say we were just extending ourselves, but that doesn't mean that's the only way to do professional wrestling. Yeah. Some guys, you just yeah. go, I'm just myself. I'm just going to go out and do, you know, like, I'm just a cool guy. I'm going to go out and do my thing. But what you're saying is true in the sense that when you watch Bray, he's so committed to a character that it isn't him playing the character anymore. He's actually a person with past, false, fit. Yeah. And, and the thing people forget is, and I think a lot of people soured on Bray because of booking and just like, you know, it was aimless at times and stuff. But people forget, go back and watch the initial Wyatt family stuff. When he first came in, he had the same man. He he had it there. Like, it was in his hands. That It was electric when he first came in. People sailed on it because of creative. And then whenever that happens, eventually the talent starts getting the blame for it, right? Like, oh, I don't care about Bray. Man, Bray can make you care about him, trust me. And he's seen he's done it again. Now it's a matter of capitalising on it. How you do that within the confines of a wrestling show is their challenge, not ours. I think there's ways to do it, but we'll find out if they can do it, I guess, in the coming weeks, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they progress with it. Like, I've read a few things um, on Twitter and stuff where people have said, like, they're going to really put the rocket pack on him and Mm -hmm. he could end up being champion by the end of the year and they're going to give him custom belts. And, you know, like, the other thing which went in his favour, apart from the general reaction you know, on social media, in the crowd and everything, is that um, they released a load of merch, like the week of SummerSlam, 
and it all sold really yeah. quick. It all sold like the case they put out sold out in like under an hour, which for like for him in terms of how the office looks at him, it's game Yeah, I mean, yeah. I look, I don't I don't want to make hot takes. <laughs> God forbid, mm-hmm. but but I do. I in my heart, I look at the show and I'm like. It feels certainly feels like the universal title is headed to him because I look at the landscape and I'm like, where you know where are you going then? I think you might see something interesting with him and Bron because there's obviously the history there. I think that might be a big you know part of Raw in the fall. But um, do you know yeah, what would be shocking if they, if they did that? What would be shocking is if he like got the better of Braun. In yes. a, like a way that no one has ever physically seen or just done. physically stuns him to the point where like he just manhandles him. That would be a crazy yeah. yeah. Visually, yeah, it'd just be crazy. an unbelievable visual. It'd just be madness. And I think like that's something you could do. I I because I got carried away like in myself that the SummerSlam thing was so good that yeah. I kind of at the end of the match in the main event. I was like waiting for the fiends to come out <laughs> yeah, yeah. and attack uh, Seth just because like it'd been so good and so over and it was like I want to see him turn up and like go to that yeah, next I think, level. I think we'll see that visual pretty soon, but I mean we might not. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I don't know what else Seth's going to do after the Braun thing, right? But um, it feels like when you look at the, the you know the, the pieces at the, the cards at hand, it feels like the fiend is like. I, I think there's very few guys right now, and this isn't this is just the way it is to me. Very few guys that feel like they're at the peak of their powers, like they're really on it. Like I think Kevin Owens is one of them guys. I think the Shane stuff needs to wrap up though because it could quickly. I think the Fiend obviously is like the most obvious example, right? Like he's just it's undeniable how different he is from everything else from the show. Whereas everyone else, it feels like okay, we've seen him do this stuff for a while, and it's good. The Fiend is not that. There's a mystery to it because, like, we're sitting here now, we don't have a clue how they're going to actually play this stuff out on TV. So he's unique, and I think he's timed perfectly. So, yeah, I expect it to be big time this fall in Raw. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, cool. Right. Thank you, Joe, for joining me, mate. I really, really appreciate it. No worries, tell, mate. Uh, tell the people where they can find you on social media. Well, I'm um, at Joe Holbert 5 on Twitter. That's the number five, but I... I don't recommend you follow me because my account is very bad. But if you would like to, it is Joe Holbert 5. Yeah, that's where I'll... I mean, if I'm doing good, I'm just tweeting article links. If I'm doing bad, there'll be, like, opinions and arguments and stuff. So hot hopefully takes. I'm doing good. Yeah, hot takes are no good for anyone, man. They're not good for anyone. Yeah, cool. And, uh, guys, you can find me on at acecast underscore nation, uh, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation for video versions of all the shows. And uh, all our shows are available on audio download, I, uh, not iTunes anymore, is it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts now, uh, Deezer, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, basically everywhere you can find us. And uh, yeah, cool. I enjoyed that, mate. It was good fun. Cheers, mate. Very much. Yeah. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, guys, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers.
Social Podcast Network.